Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program today, my friends. And top of the morning to you. It's Thursday, I guess. And another day, another dollar. We have got a great show for you. We're going to talk technology. We're going to talk anxiety with your kids. We're even going to get into uh, getting a little life coaching on how to keep your head clear amidst all of the chaos, all of the turmoil. But first, I'm still addicted to 1010. It's becoming quickly my favorite uh, time-wasting app. In fact, I'm going to now declare it. Uh, 1010 is America's number one time-wasting app. America's from this show. The, oh, from this show. Yeah, I'm doing a top ten list for the show, and I don't have nine others, but I have one. actually I have one other. Uh, Deer Hunter 2014. That is number two top wasting time app, and number one. We need a sound effect for 1010. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you want to do the ding for that one. For let's if all we the... if we do the ding for 2014. Yeah, let's yeah. just do. Do you have like a deep dong kind of the? Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like 1010, right? Yeah. Do you have any others? Mm. A lot of times they do this off the air, but... (laughs) We got time. We got none of a time to burn. Give me one more sound effect that might be, you know... Yeah, that's 1010. (laughs) Because that's what I feel like. That's what it feels like when I'm just sitting there, air quotes, just sitting around playing 1010. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll work. 1010 uh, voted the Matt Townsend Show's number one time-wasting app. By the way, my score is still 1,850. That's your high score? That's my high score. By the way, has been for about two weeks. That's it? Yeah. Hmm, Maybe you've topped out. Maybe you can (laughs) excel no further at the game. It's It's, plateaued. It's quite depressing because, uh, again, a lady at a basketball—actually, it's 1855— a, a lady at a basketball game challenged me, and she's like, what's your high score? And I'm like, what's yours? And she said, 3,100. And I'm like, weird. I'm 3,400. I lied. My high score is 1,855. I'm just better than you are. But again, we're a proud sponsor. Proud sponsor. 1010 is a proud sponsor. I voted uh, the Matt Townsend Show's number one time-wasting app. Very high accolade. 1010. That feels good. We want to do what we can to lift the app world. That's why we're having Jay McFarland on in a minute. Yes. He's going to teach us all about technology, mainly cell technology, cell phones. But I'm sure there's got to be more going on than I, the app I world. have a story, technology-based. We'll talk about that in a minute. What's that? To lead into Jay coming up. Uh, some things that are happening. Mark Lippert, U.S. Ambassador to South Korea. That was sad. We just heard about that a little yeah. bit on the BBC News. He was injured by an armed attacker who slashed his face and wrist Thursday morning in Seoul with a knife with a 10-inch blade. He needed 80 stitches. I know, 80 stitches. About a one-inch, it's like a four-inch long, one-inch deep gash type thing. The pictures of it, he's, he's, bloody. he's bleeding and everything. He, he needed surgery on his arm because it cut a tendon. He was preparing for a speech on peace 
and was attacked. The 55-year-old man, a TV station there, is reporting that he said South and North Korea should be unified. Mm. And uh, Yeah, he's yeah. mad because the U.S. keeps intervening in a way that it, it It's problems. seen that the U.S. is causing problems because our troops are there. Yeah. That seem to be keeping troops. them apart. North Korea's official news agency called Thursday's knife attack on the U.S. ambassador deserved punishment for U.S. military exercises with South Korea calling the uh, the assault, the knife of justice. Really? The that, U.S. and South Korea have yeah. a month-long military exercise yeah, it's program, like, and they're in the middle of that right now. It's like scout camp for the military. More or less. Yeah. So soon we'll have the response videos of the North Korean military as they're attacking their own beaches. But a few years ago, exercises. you remember, uh, North Korea fired during these same exercises. North Korea fired on South Korea and like injured, I think, 45 people or killed 45 people. I can't remember. So this has already created heat anyway. Yes. But then out of the blue, like, I guess, I do we not have security for our ambassadors? It seems like that would be crazy. I don't know. Uh, James, write this down. <laughs> take, a men- take a note here. Uh, call, uh, call the Secretary of State. John Kerry. John Kerry, you write. Advise very him. <laughs> Advise John that we need... Um, Advise Secretary Kerry okay. that we need more um, security more with our ambassadors. Security. Okay. Sincerely, Dr. Matt. Speaking of the Secretary of State, a yes. former Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton. Yes. She has continued every day. There's more on this email and what she's doing. I'm interested because I wanted to know what her email was called because it's not Gmail. No. It's something, a server in her own house. It's Clinton. Apparently, it's called ClintonEmail.com. Ooh, innovative. And now the, the committee that has been investigating Benghazi at nauseum for the last yeah. however long. They're tired of Benghazi? No. Now they, now they see that now there's possibly and a, uh, a high possibility there are more documents they have not seen on this because she has her own oh. private server. Oh, see. This is, folks. So they want all those documents now. by the rules. Yes. If everyone would just play by the rules... We wouldn't have all of these investigations. And this would have been over two or three investigations, and now we're on to four or five. And then you'd have more time to play your app 1010. Absolutely. (laughs) See, that sounds so cool. That's good. So, yeah, her account was called ClintonEmail.com. Wow. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, why don't you do like Thundermail? That was my thought. But M A L E. Yeah. That's cool. They made it pretty simple. Let's see. I found this last night, a long story about how it's in The Economist, because, you know, I read The Economist. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Do you? Occasionally, when they kind of dumb things down for me. That's good. (laughs) Economist light. Yeah. They they called the smartphone the defining technology of the age. Ah, I'm, I'm buying that. I don't know if we could have any Hold on, of the age? The age. So of our age, whatever time period you want to call it. I'm 45. Is it the defining technology of your life? Yes. Because of your favorite app? Yes. That you play constantly? 1010. 1010. <laughs> Samsung, as the article says, started making more waterproof phones because people keep dropping their phones in the toilet. You know what? I am you terrified that? of that. Do you believe that a company yes. made devices yes. because people keep doing that? Uh-huh. And some, I mean, if you live in a big city, and a big city public restroom... Ooh. 
what they need is they they need a cell phone not that that not that's just waterproof but they need one that'll actually once it hits the water it'll swim to the shore and climb out on its own so you don't have to go in there after it right see if that could happen oh i'd buy that phone see i i, I read that i like what a company that big alter how they make phones simply because of a yeah. habit some of their customers have cuz it can't be that widespread of a problem can it oh i think it is hmm i mean i think it is I carry my phone around all morning as my source of light because <laughs> my house is dark and it no one's up at four forty at oh dark thirty in the morning <laughs> except me. Remember, I'm putting a razor in my mouth for heaven's sake. Yes, I needed so I could see dropping it in there. Okay, I think you need like a personal security strap. They make those that you just that makes it so it can't fall more than two feet from your body from your person. Like on a zip line or? Uh, take a note on this one, James. <laughs> um, uh, just uh, an idea. Mm-hmm. Personal security strap for cell phones. Not allowing the phone to fall more than two feet from person. Copyright, Matt Townsend. Copyright that. 2015. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. So there you go. You have, you have technology leading into Jay McFarland next. Man, so we did a technology story leading into the technology guru, Jay McFarland. Look at that. We're going to take a break. When Jay comes back, Jay is, he's just basically the techiest guy I've ever met. He writes apps. He has 100 apps under his belt. I'm going to ask him if he's ever heard of uh, 1010. And we're also going to go into get into all of this newest cell phone technology. He's going to talk about some of the uh, the great innovations that are coming out, including I've got to ask him about uh, the Apple Watch because you know I may buy one unless they want to gift me one, which would be great. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, we'll be talking to our tech guru Jay McFarland right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the line is our tech guru. He is the techiest man, I don't even know if that's a word, on earth. Jay McFarland is a good friend of the show. And uh, Jay is, uh, he's got a, just a really interesting, I think eclectic uh, background. He's been a restaurant owner and operator in Salt Lake City and in Las Vegas as well. He um, also uh, is a radio show host and has done that for many, many years now, I think about since 2002, really. So about 12 years. He had a great uh, show in Dallas and Nevada as well, and now is in on the air in Salt Lake City on a show called The Browsers, and uh, actually put the show together and is key in designing it and making it all work. But the key is he loves technology. He's an author of two books, Freedom Ain't Free and Joyful Union, and has created more than 100 popular apps and games for iPhone and iPad users. Jay's the proud father of four children and celebrated his 20th anniversary with his beautiful wife in 2011. Jay, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Good morning. How you doing? Great. You're on your 23rd anniversary then. Yeah, I, I lost count. We signed a, a 10-year and have been on month-to-month ever since. So I kinda, <laughs> your wife you know, was very smart to do the 10-year with you. <laughs> 
Yeah. I miss it's you. Just every month we go, you want to go another one? Are we going to do it again? Yeah. yeah. Why not? That's great. I mean, that's a great way to do it. I mean, then, then yeah. there's no commitment. and I mean, there's no obligation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can get out if you, know, if you really took each other off. Hey, are you heading towards uh, the GSA, GSMA Mobile World Congress? Are you going to oh, go do that? I would love to, but it's in Barcelona, and it just didn't—it just didn't fit in my schedule this week. <laughs> what is it? Explain, because who knew that there would be this World Mobile World Congress going on every year, where you know eighty thousand people, I guess, gather. Yeah, it's a huge event, and unlike the International Consumer Electronics Show, it really just focuses one hundred percent on mobile technology. So. A lot of the really big players in the industry have chosen this time to roll out all of their new devices. So Samsung rolled out theirs. Uh, Apple not involved, but Apple uses this week to make a lot of announcements, kind of to suck the attention away from the World Congress. Oh, they're evil. It's interesting to see that battle go on in the media. Why, um, Why did you think Apple, why aren't they more involved? It seems like they dominate that place. Apple has really decided to just kind of do their own thing. They have their own events. They pulled out of the Consumer Electronics Show several years ago, and they've just decided they can do it better, and they get plenty of attention, so they don't like to get tied up in all of the other information. They're kind of stuck up that way. They're kind of like Kanye West. Yeah, a little bit. Apple's like the Kanye West of the mobile world. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but they're pulling it off. So. And they always yeah. run up on stage and correct everything. Yeah, hey, exactly. Talk, right. ab- talk about some of the, the new things coming out. I mean, Samsung is on fire. Yeah. Literally, I mean, they're, they. it seems like this new phone could be the real deal. It seems like it's copying. What, what do they call the new one? Well, it's called the S6, the Galaxy S6. And they are, in some ways, calling it the new iPhone or a copy of the iPhone. And that's because... There's a couple of things that Samsung has always said that they're different from the iPhone in this regard. And suddenly this year, they're doing those things. So what they consider to be a competitive advantage over iPhone, they're now doing those things. Oh, see? So that was a bunch of hype. What's so great about this phone? I mean, one of the cool things, I think, is just the the edges, the sides of it. They kind of – it's all glass. They bend, and it's nice. Yeah, well, it comes in two different models. So the Galaxy S6, which is the the normal one, and then this S6 Edge. And you're right, the two, the right and left side of the screen, when it's in portrait mode, they bend. The glass bends over the side, and that bend becomes its own display. So you can have like a running ticker on each side of like news, yeah, or or a Twitter feed. Or something like that. They tried this out with the Galaxy Note Edge uh, a few months ago with just one side, one edge that's curved. And now they're rolling it out with both edges. And cool. it's interesting. We've tried it. Um, the, the one problem I have with it is it's very sensitive. So, you know, when you go to pick up your phone and you grab it, yeah. you touch the edges. Oh, yeah. And that, that activates things on the screen. Oh, so and, then it's done. Yeah, so that's a big-time frustration. They need to implement something where you have to swipe on the edges or something like that. Because if you're grabbing that, you're you're sending tweets and, and text messages that you didn't intend to send. But see, that means that you, though, like you could just set your phone down on your nightstand and you'll you'll have a ticker running by or just, just a static ticker that would have the time and you can actually use it as an alarm clock. 
Yeah. Instead and of having to let, turn your phone on. Right. And they're going to let app developers develop many apps just for those screens. No, I think that's for cool. Those edges. So it's a, it's a very interesting idea. This ability now to curve glass. Uh, you're seeing it from LG on phones. Yeah. You're seeing it on uh, on Samsung. But the two things that have people concerned, we've actually received a lot of text messages with people very upset with Samsung, is they took away the removable battery, which yeah. they have which they have said for a long time. You've seen it in their commercials saying, "Look, we, our batteries are better than than iPhone because you can pull it out and replace it on the fly." You can't do that in the new S6. It's embedded into the device just like the iPhone. Interesting. Uh, so a lot of people are frustrated with that. And it also has a metal case just like the iPhone has had. For oh, it does. Years. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot thinner. They did say in the in the event that their, their metal won't bend. So they took a <laughs> shot at Apple saying that this is not bendable. We have metal. unbendable metal. Yeah. Yeah. Why – didn't they also take out a, a memory card where, where yeah. you, you could put the memory – a different memory card in? Yeah, and that was also yeah, uh, what they claimed to be a competitive advantage, and now it's gone. So some ah. frustrations there. But one really big thing on the Samsung that I think is going to have people very excited is something called Loop Pay. And this is uh, – This is their – is this their comp- competition for Apple Pay? Yes. That's okay. exactly what it is. So if you're familiar with Apple Pay or even uh, even uh, Google Wallet, the ability to tap your phone on a card reader yeah. to pay, the problem with Apple Pay and Google Wallet is they use NFC technology, near-field communication technology. And so not every merchant has that yet. In fact, it's a small percentage that has it. The Samsung Loop Pay actually has figured out a way to send a wireless signal into all existing card readers. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it doesn't – no merchants have to update their technology. Yeah. When this phone comes out, you'll have to download the app, and then you'll be able to tap to pay on any anything that has a card reader. That is Already just a magnetic strip. Yeah. Yeah, So it's – it's pretty impressive. Well, and think of how many, I mean, all the merchants have to love that. Yes. You've just saved, I and mean, you know that, you've run a business. To have to go yeah. change your, your technology to accommodate pay, is that's expensive. So yeah. Samsung and, rocked it there. Yeah, I agree. I do think that is everyone's it, heading towards NFC anyway, so it will be a short-term advantage. Yeah. But nonetheless, if you're a consumer and you love that ability and you want to get rid of your wallet, that Galaxy S6 is going to be very tempting to a lot of people. Is it secure? I mean, I know security is a big thing, and it's probably one of the great advantages or the things that they're touting at this Congress. Um, what's going on with security to make cell phones? I'm always so worried that people are going to be able to just take everything off my phone. Yeah, it is a big concern. Uh, a couple of things, like with the Samsung Loop Pay or Apple Pay they generate a one-time security token when you conduct that transaction. So never at any point does your actual card number leave your device and go into uh, some business's databases. So if there was a breach that happened to Target or to Home Depot or something like that, the most they would get is this one-time code that cannot be reused. Right. So they're saying that that is much more secure. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. 
So and Apple and Samsung are basically providing uh, some security t- so, so that my all my information doesn't go to Target or Walmart. That's or That's cool. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, so that's really going to help in the long term. You're not going to have to panic so much when you hear about yet another security yeah. breach. Well, we've heard uh, it at Target, right? Target had a security oh, yeah. breach. No, huge, yeah. huge uh, security breaches. The other thing we're seeing is facial recognition technology versus a thumbprint, you know, a fingerprint or a password. And there's several phones coming out that have that facial recognition. And if you're familiar with USAA Bank, uh, they they serve a lot of our military. They actually just released their banking app, and it has voice recognition technology, and it also has facial recognition technology. And we tested it out, and it works really well. And so it has to be live facial recognition, right? So you, I couldn't yeah. hold up a picture of myself. And no, we it, actually tried to we tried to fool it with video cool. and with pictures. You have to blink three times for it to work. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, we actually made a picture and made like fake blinking on the picture, and we couldn't fool it. So it's great. Uh, pretty pretty secure, and they say not as easy to fool. As a thumbprint, people have actually been able to duplicate thumbprints on the iPhone and get huh. past the Touch ID. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, maybe you have to be a high-value target. I'm not yeah. a target. I don't <laughs> see anyone. You know, if somebody steals my identity, they're just going to start getting a lot of collection calls. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if yeah. somebody gets a high-value phone, they might wouldn't. Do that. Wouldn't that be great, though, if you they stole your your identity and then all of a sudden they had to take all the collection calls? Yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> like begging, please. Here, please. No, seriously, keep it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I can that's at least funny. blame somebody else for my bad credit. That's exactly right. Okay, we're going to come back with Jay. Jay McFarland's the tech man. He is. He knows his stuff, folks. He he doesn't just study it. He lives it. This guy gets a brand new device, I think, weekly. And then just turns them over. And um, we're going to come back. More questions with Jay, including I want to find out about the Apple Watch, if it's if it's worth buying. And really, what difference is it going to make to my life? Because I, I'm hoping it will uh, boost my self-esteem. I'm hoping a lot of people will make me, will think I'm more popular, powerful than I am. Anyway, we'll come back. More with Jay McFarland, our tech man, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are discussing technology today. Uh, you know, specifically, we're talking about a lot of the cell phone technology. Jay McFarland is the tech man. I don't know what we. I don't know what he wants to be called. He's in my mind. He is Mister Tech. Knows more about it. Reads about it. Studies it. More importantly, does it all. And seriously, every time I go see him. At uh, his station and his studio, I always he always has another device, just playing around with a new device. Jay McFarland, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, your website, by the way, if people want to get any information about you, jmcfarland.com. Correct. Hey, answer me this, and I'm throwing a curve at you here, because this okay. I didn't tell you I wanted to know about this. Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, 
She's got her own little server. She's got her yeah. own little private website or her own little yeah. private email. And uh, the DO or the, the, the Justice Department, you know, would, you know, they, they warned her, don't be doing that. What's the big deal? Is, is, do you think her personal server in her personal little residence, is that safe enough? No. That sounds not. crazy. I mean, my neighbors can break my code. Yeah. No, of course, of course it's not, and of course she broke the rules. But she's not the first, uh, the first person in in her capacity to do this. The law requires that uh, all official emails are sent using government servers, and the reason for that is security, for one, as you mentioned, and the other is transparency. There you go. Our government officials are required to record and keep all of this stuff available. So that when members of the media ask for information or when there's investigations or whatever, it's a simple process to acquire them. You don't have to demand it and wait for them to compile them from their servers right. and get them over to you and wonder what was missing. Uh-huh. So she said she'll turn over anything and everything you want. The problem with a lot of these federal rules is there's not really a mechanism to enforce them. Mm. There's not like some guy going around writing tickets for poor email use. <laughs> Does it pull know, up in a little Jeep? Yeah, right. There's yeah. no email police. There's no email jail. So they just kind of have to, you know, comply on their own. Uh, and as you can imagine, this comes down to, you know, partisan divide. If you're on one side of the aisle, you think this is a just a terrible, evil practice. And if you're on the other, you're like, what's the big deal? Other secretaries of state have done this. So... Mm. Just relax. Well, but one of the things that, that is interesting about this specifically is, I mean, now the oversight committee is going to ask for them, right? So now yeah. they're going to say, we need a copy of all of those emails. It just reignited the Benghazi thing again, for heaven's sake. That's sakes. exactly right, because they're wondering, uh, you know, what what don't we have? And that's really the question. If it stays on government servers, you can see patterns and histories and deletions and all of those things, you can go into the back end of the system and, and track them everywhere that they went. Mm-hmm. And the response is, if, if you're asking for her to just hand over those emails, you can't see all of the genesis and where they were sent right. and all of those things. So, well, and one private, one secured file from the government onto her server, is that not the equivalent of uh, General Petraeus's having you know, secret documents in his drawer in his house. It yeah, seems I mean, similar. Yeah, the, the the real issue is you can't you can't know for sure that you have everything. So are they hide is she hiding something? Right. I don't know. And right. when you don't know, that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Well you and know, that's that's the bottom line for me. Well and her husband they, remember how long they were releasing documents from the Clinton era? Yeah. And so yeah. they, they know better yeah. Anyway, it's just I just line. wish everybody would just matter. play by the rules. Come on. I, I'm so sick of like gates. Uh, you know, now we're going to have email oh, yeah. gate. I'm just so sick Absolutely. of all of it. If everyone let's just play by the rules. Well, the good news is we know that uh, John Kerry uses uh, he uses government email. There we so. go. So, so it's all it's all back. In everybody, mind. everything's good. Relax. Everything's good, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Okay. I've, I was yeah. about ready to lose it. Okay. Anyway, back to the Mobile World Congress. So, uh, by the way, I think you need to press harder on your on your organization, KSL, to send you to the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona next year. Oh, we've been 
begging. We we've been we've been we told them we're willing to sell, you know, candy bars. <laughs> we'll we'll sell. I I was the king in in high school for, for the gummy fundraisers. Bears Were you gummy bears? Oh yeah. Oh, I'd I buy was, I'd buy twelve I'd buy twelve dollars worth of gummy bears I from you. Cases and cases of them. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get out to Barcelona. That's so not far, a bad. That's so gummy bears. We'll do a gummy yeah. bear fundraiser. Yeah, oh, you'll help me out. Yeah, okay. help help <laughs> help Jay McFarland and his troop get to yeah. Barcelona. Now the place I want to be is with Apple on Monday. Okay, tell me. Monday is the is is apparently the official release of the Apple Watch. Okay, okay. So it's Monday. I've been waiting Tonight. for this. Yeah, I know. Do I want it, or is it going to just eventually just be? Do you remember in high school when you had the calculator watch? Yeah. Did you have one? No. Oh, <laughs> and, and if I did, I would never yeah. admit it. Well, I, I didn't either. Yeah, that's the wrong status <laughs> symbol. That's, that's going in the wrong direction. You know what? But I, I've always had – I liked it because it made people think I was smart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is, is, it, is, it, is it going to be worth it? Talk about the watch. Well, let me ask you this. How much are you willing to pay not to pull your phone out of your pocket? Uh, $7. Well, this is uh, going to start, the last number we heard, it will start at $349. Ah. And that's just to not take your phone out of your pocket. That's really all this is, huh? Well, yeah, the majority of the functionality is just an extension of, of your phone. And the other thing that really frustrates me is for that price, I want the device to stand alone. I want it to do most of the stuff without having the phone there. In there case you go. I don't want to bring the phone. That's right. Or I'm out running. Not that I do that. But hypothetically. Right. I want to be able to not have it there. Really, if you look at the back end of the Apple Watch, it is just an extension of the iPhone. Most of the apps are not even running on the watch. They're running on the phone and you're getting a display of what's running on the Apple Watch. Now, it's incredibly well done. Yeah. It's very intuitive. It's very classy looking. And a lot of the apps are cool. The question is, 349 yeah. to not pull your phone out of your pocket. That seems absolute luxury item, and that's why I'll probably get one and get one for my watch. <laughs> can, you watch your, can you watch television? Can you watch Netflix so, on it? No, you can uh, – not as far as I know. You can control – for example, you can control your Apple TV with it. Hmm. Uh, so you'll be able to use it as a remote control. And as app developers, like maybe if you have DirecTV, they'll put together a remote control app. So you can – or you can go to your guide and set it to record shows and things like that. Hmm. You'll probably eventually be able – to do something like watch Netflix, but there's a, a real concern about battery life on these things. Yeah, okay, so, we'll so talk about that, because you don't want it to be like four hours and then you've got to recharge it. Yeah. You have to take it off to recharge it, right? So, yeah, they've uh, they've got a couple of different modes that they've recently announced that they say will help with the battery life, but that's the thing is you're probably going to be using the watch more to check in. You can use it to control Siri uh, you can use it to track your health and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I really think you're you're looking at the watch as you're checking in on it. You're not doing long-term use things. People will probably develop video games for it and, and those types of things. But once again, you'll go into the past. Yeah. Because right? when smartphones came out, we looked at it and said, look, I can play Nintendo and Pac-Man and stuff right. on my 
on my phone because it couldn't handle much more than that. So suddenly the stuff we played back in these huge console video games when we were kids, you know, in, in at 7-Eleven, we were so excited we could get them on our phones even though that was old tech. Right, right. But right. It, it came in that smaller form. So you'll probably see some of that on the watch. I think some of the coolest stuff is the, the fitness tracking. Yeah. You can also tap it to send little messages. To, I know. You know, your loved one. I know. You can send your heartbeat. I know. To your loved one. And yeah. by the way, I think we, uh, we, uh, I don't want to, you know, have a spoiler alert, but we've already trademarked a really cool device for um, people who are in struggling marriages, but whose partner, uh-huh. whose partner is really well insured. And that way you can track their heartbeat. So the minute they die, <laughs> you know, you've just made millions. You just go right to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, that's, I know that's negative, but I think it's going to be a major selling feature. Oh, I think it's just proactive. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to, a watch is designed to save you time, and that Apple do that. See, now Apple, they're basically making apparel. Like, I guess that's what we call this. This is, yeah. this is now going to be, you know, more fluff to the Apple store. And then I guess the biggest thing after this will be then they'll have the Apple car. There is talk an Apple car. I know. Unconfirmed talk. It's going to happen. Uh, they've got too much money, and they, they've got good design ideas. I mean, they'll buy a – you'll have a car. I, you know, it, it, it's a good question about what they're doing with cars. People have spotted these, these kind of cars in the wild that look – they know that they're Apple, and they have all these devices on them. And people are wondering, are they creating their own Google Maps? Are they, are they creating a car? But they have – they have 50-plus employees that they've taken from Tesla Motors uh, that now work at Apple, and yeah. they have a department. So those are some of the signs or indications that you're seeing that Apple may uh, one day roll out an Apple vehicle, or they just may be looking at very specific integrations with their devices. Yeah, into the cars. Know. Yeah, which I'm not a fan of. I want the car that I buy to be able to work with whatever device I buy. I don't want to have to decide when I go out. I'm already trying to decide what make and model. I don't want to have to decide the operating system as well. And and then I don't want to, I just paid 30 grand for a car and it's an Apple operating system. And then Android comes out with something incredible. Mm -hmm. And in order to get it, I have to change my whole car. Right. I don't want to have to do that. No. I just want to to know when I get in the car, oh, you're using Android. And then the display that it has is Android. Yep. And you don't want want. all these upgrade fees? No. No. No, I don't. See see how you are. I'm crazy like that. Hey, answer. There's one phone that's getting a lot more attention at the Mobile World Congress I want to tell you about. What's that? Is that the one? Is that the. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a break. Okay. We'll come back. Is that the holographic one? Yes. Because we've just we just did a whole show on holograph. Okay, our holograms. We're going to come back. We're going to hit the holographic cell phone. It's a big deal, you know. Princess Leia, her cute little buns, those little hair extension earmuffs on her head. Imagine the day you can just put down your phone and see somebody right there live. Imagine how Skype will change when you can do that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Jay McFarland, our tech man, is going to be walking us through the holographic cell phone. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back after this break.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going through a cell phone tech update. <laughs> We're talking with our good friend Jay McFarland from the website jmcfarland.com. He is uh, our tech guru. He also is the host of the browsers on KSL News Radio in Salt Lake City and uh, is the author of two books, Free to Main Free and Joyful Union. If you go to his website, jmcfarland.com, you can also check out uh, his apps, 100 apps. I mean, I don't know if they're all there, but they're in the app stores. But uh, you'll get more information about Jay. Jay, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Good morning. Hey, by the way, Jay, have you ever heard of the, the app uh, 1010? Um, are you talking about the Nerudo? Like the... It's, it's like Tetris without competition or timing. Oh. Oh, no, not really. It's, not sure. It, I'm just going to say it's changed my life. Oh, really? Yeah. I, it's, yeah. It's now, according to the Matt Townsend Show, it is the number one time-wasting app on the history of the earth. So it's not that trivia crack or whatever? Nope. No, 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 I did that too for a while. That's the number three. <laughs> you know, it's funny. As I develop games, I don't spend a lot of time playing them. I just don't have time. Do you have a Tetris-like app? Uh, no. Well. I want to go look it up. No, not really. Okay. I like your balloon app, though. Yeah, I you know, but I have a lot of different fun ones, and you have a lot of fun ones for the kids to learn. Yeah, I, I did focus a lot on uh, on kids. The other thing I'm doing on the website now is training people how they can build their own apps. Are you so really? If yeah, if you're interested in developing your own games, I put together a lot of uh, video training that you can take. Uh, it's a lot. We're in a world now where you don't have to wait no. to learn. And and the way I do it, I don't use code. So this is something anybody can do. So that is check that out. cool. Okay, so that's a that's at jmcfarland.com. Yeah, because as you know, I actually learned because I brought this system home, this software, and my son tried it out when he was eleven, and he built the game with it, and he published his first iPhone app when he was eleven years old. That's so cool using this platform. And then I said, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, and I was I was mostly right. <laughs> yeah, it took you a while. Yeah. It took you a while, but you, you picked up on it. I didn't learn quite as quickly as he did. But we're in a world now where the barriers to technology. I know. I mean, you, you used to have millions of dollars and a huge staff to produce An app. apps and games. You can do this on your own. People can do this. And that's very exciting to me. I, I You know what? I agree. Because it's now equal access, right? Everyone can Absolutely. do it. And you can start getting your content, your information out to the world. Hey, talk about this uh, this holographic smartphone. This is, I think, the future for sure. Well, yeah. Anytime you need to hide some plans for a super secret yeah. planet destroying starbase, <laughs> this is know, where this is where you're going to go. And you don't have your own droid, and you need to contact a recluse Jedi master, you know, <laughs> with <laughs> with hair buns. Yeah. Yeah, and guess what? The name of the company is what? Leia. Nah. -uh. Yeah, yeah. How cool. Yeah. yeah, Silicon Valley-based company Leia, Leia has rolled out the uh, hologram phone. Did you see it? Uh, I've seen video of it. I okay. haven't gotten my hands on it yet. But you know I will. I know you will. You'll yeah. have it at work, I can tell. Yeah, so it doesn't – I mean, we all picture R2-D2 displaying this image that's standing on a, on a desk and right. just repeating. This is actually – think of it more as glasses-less 3D technology. So when you look at the screen, you can see the image on the screen, and you can move your head around it oh. with it sitting still, and okay. you can see up to 64 different angles without special glasses. Hmm. So 
for example, if you're looking at Google Maps, you could see a picture of the Empire State Building, and you could walk around and see just about every single side of that image. It's pretty cool. That's cool. I've seen the glasses technology, yeah. and it's really coming along. So it's not really that, you know. It's not It's not, not jumping off the page. No, no, not yet. Yeah, but that'll but be, that's the future. It's getting a lot of attention. It's oh, that cool. That's cool. I mean, are you so if so? Are you now that you've seen all of this stuff? If you were going to go get a new phone right now, what would you go buy? Would you go Samsung? Would you go Apple? What would you do? You know, I uh, mo- my most recent phone before I had the, the phone I have now was Android, and I've gone back to iOS. I'm back to iPhone. I have a six plus, and I'm very very happy with that phone. Yeah. And I haven't seen anything that makes me want to go away. I will tell you something that is interesting, is that the Galaxy S6 is thinner than the S5. And we know that the new 6s for the iPhone that came out are thinner. And they all have pretty good battery life, better than their previous model. But it could have been better battery life if the phones were thicker. And there's been several national surveys that have shown that as much as 75% of the people think the phones are now too thin mm-hmm. and they'd rather have a little bit thicker that would give them a little bit battery better battery yeah. life and my six plus is too thin i don't like it thin in fact i put a little kind of sticker kind of pad on the back yeah that gives it some grip because the metal is too it's too slippery <laughs> and i don't like to have a case yeah and it's too thin i can't hold it in my hand and i don't know what who out there is saying we want these things to be so much better at the expense of battery life. Who are all these dainty people that don't want a big, thick, I know. I don't. I robust want phone. Now I have bigger hands, and yeah. maybe that's the, the, the situation. But I don't. I would much rather have it back to. I think the iPhone five size, yeah. or the Galaxy S five size. I think that was fine. Totally. And if you could make it a little lighter, yeah. but that bigger size with more grip. Me- Give me two days of battery life. I know yeah. that's crazy, and a little bit thicker phone. But I feel like they want it. I feel like they think we want a sheet of paper thickness phone, I and I don't. That's crazy. I like it to have a little, you know, something to hold on to. This, <laughs> this is. Um, <laughs> I I agree. Uh, th- this is this is why we have you on the show, Jay, because none of us get to touch any of this stuff. You do, so yeah. you you think this through. You've tried it all, and uh, and you know what you're talking about. We so appreciate you coming on. We know that you know you could have been sleeping in. We know you probably had a really late night building apps. But yeah, I I was actually up pretty late working on an app. So. See, we appreciate you. And now everybody go to his website jmcfarland.com and start learning how to build your own apps. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Jay, you're the man. Thanks, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Uh, good stuff. It's so true. Why do? Why are they making everything so much lighter and thinner? I want my I want my phone to be able to stand the test. I want it to have the float factor, so when it hits the water, it's waterproof and it can still float. And I want it to someday be able to crawl out of the bathroom on its own, out of the toilet, or out of the sink wherever you dropped it, or out of the lake. I've had many a friend drop their cell phone in uh, Lake Powell. So let's um, do this really quickly. I don't know if you saw the news, but there is an, uh, a new 
watch, the the iPhone watch, the Apple watch. Is that what we're calling it? Apple Watch. I keep wanting to call it a Mac Watch. That's what Apple's calling their product. You the call Apple it the watch. iWatch. I do call it the iWatch. <laughs> uh, the, the Apple Watch, though, there is an Apple Watch that is very expensive. What is that about? $8,000. They have several different tiers. Well, we don't know if it's 8000 yet. Oh. They've only announced the pricing on the economy model at 350 about yeah yeah but this that is, could change too but this isn't done by apple this no. this watch is done by by some other company that's just a big bling apple has partnered with other companies to make luxury watches bling them up because that's really where the watch market has gone is to the higher end because phones have replaced going out and buying a 20 dollars watch so you know what time it is but uh, but one of these companies has put together a watch that is gold encrusted I mean, diamond-encrusted, and it can reach upwards of $75,000. Yes. Ridiculous. There'll probably be 20 of those <sighs> made. But there's always that high-end luxury. That's what they end up showing you so that we can have discussions like, who buys this stuff? You know, Who? That's the 1%. The, yeah. That's the 1% of the 1%. Possibly. I wouldn't know. Those aren't my friends. More your friends than mine. Eh, not really. <laughs> James, are you going to buy uh, your your fiance McQuintock um, a watch, a diamond encrusted watch? Yeah, we're going to get matching monogrammed um, gold encrusted watches. It's going to be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, Actually, we put it on our registry, but I'm feeling pretty confident. <laughs> you're feeling pretty confident that you're going to get one. Uncle yeah. Bob's going to get it for him. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I, I'm going with you're not going to get one. Sorry to ruin your day. It's we'll brick. See. Brick is by the brick is the company that's making a seventy five thousand dollar diamond encrusted Apple Watch. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're going to take a break. We'll come back next hour. More stuff right here on the Matt Townsend Show to help you lift your life. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number two underway. First hour is in the books, locked in the vault, deep, deep, actually in the back of the freezer. Yeah, we moved it to the back of the freezer. Oh, that brings back memories. Might we'd get a side of beef, and my, my mom would make us load the freezer. And she'd say, make sure you put the new stuff in the back of the freezer. Just kind of rotate it yeah. forward? Yeah. Okay, that's a good idea. See, a lesson taught by my mom. My house, it's always shared with you. leftovers. Oh, we'll eat this, and about two weeks later, what's this? Oh, what really? What is that? <laughs> when did we have green furry things, it Mom? It grew a foot. <laughs> let's, let's toss that away. Those are, our, those are chicken nuggets, honey. Those aren't green furry things. Well, welcome to the show, folks. This is the program where uh, we're not just here to give you a, a start of, in your day, right? We want to help you create a great day. Everybody has uh, important things that you're doing in your life, and, you know, we have important people, important relationships, and we also want to make sure that you have the skills and the tools to make sure your important things come first. That's what we do on the program. Later in this uh, hour, we're going to be talking to Tamar Chansky, and they're going to be teaching us about anxiety. You may have a child that suffers from anxiety or worry, and... um, 
they're going to walk us through how we go about teaching our child to deal with their anxiety. But, um, you know, talk about anxiety. This poor uh, ambassador gets basically assaulted. North Korea calls it the knife of justice. Uh, <laughs> Kim. Come on, Kim. They can't be nice about anything. Kim Jong-un. They always find a way to turn whatever event That's to why the... they make movies about him. Then well, they got to attack Sony. That and he tells them to make movies yeah. about me. That's true. That'd be kind of nice. I think I'd like to tell people, make a movie about me. <laughs> Embellish all you want. <laughs> Go right ahead. I am really good at golf. Go ahead. That poor guy. So he's 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 recovering. 80 the stitches, ambassador. a little surgery too for the tendons in his arm. I mean, a knife attacks, that's a big deal. You have to get really close. He had a really positive so. tweet that he tweeted out. Doing great. Top of spirits. Be back soon. Thumbs up. Be I back ASAP. Cut. What a guy. That's cool. Other uh, events that have been happening overnight. Yeah. I am really interested in this Hillary email situation now. Are you now? It just seems very interesting. You set up your own. I really want to set up my own server at my house now. I just I don't want to brag, but I have my own server. I, mean, I have I my have own. a big deal. I'm a big deal. I'm a huge deal. Uh, if you want, you can email me, Matt, at matttownsend.com. Really? Did you not know that? No. Yeah. I'm a pretty big deal. It's, uh, just so you know, it's not that cool. Hillary Clinton tweeted out Wednesday night that she has asked the State Department to release her emails to the public. Her State Department Full emails. disclosure. She wants everything out there. That's great. That's what she should do. That's what she should have done in the beginning. Exactly. But now they're, you know, she's probably thinking about, okay, this is going to mess up my announcement possibly in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I need to get this out there and get take it care out of there. This. We got to clean this up. She, uh, last night my wife was reading on Politico because apparently my wife reads Politico.com. Great. That's a great site. I didn't know this because she usually ignores me when I talk about things that uh-huh. I've read on Politico, <laughs> but she was talking about what happens, if, the article talks about what happens if Hillary decides that all this is too much yeah. and does not run. Oh, so if Hillary backs out... Boy, that would be fun. And the quote that came from a, a Democratic um, analyst, you know, whatever yeah. that is, but it says the biggest problem is that the Democratic establishment is apparently so terrified of the idea of a Hillaryless race and the vicious primary that might result, it's not even considering contingency plans. This was, it's like it's plugged its, it's ears Hillary and or it's bust. saying la 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 la. They have no plan other than her. Interesting. But and then it talked about if she drops out, all the different people that yeah. would jump in, oh. and you get this sort of feeding frenzy <laughs> type thing, and it would just be great TV. I think it would be fantastic TV. I think what you do is you take the thirty Republicans that are running, you take the thirty Democrats that would run if she was out, you put them on an island. It's Survivor. It's Survivor. Have them play games, mm-hmm. vote people off the mm-hmm. island, immunity, all that stuff. Yeah, can you see it like coming down to Al Sharpton and Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> and and they're just and they're both in these tattered clothes with headbands on, could bare chested, just running across the island, but uh, with an idol in their hand. Just an interesting what if type piece that I read last night. That'd be cool. Interesting. Ex CIA Director General David Petraeus. Yes, he uh, leaked information to a writer. Most of the story we know about him involves the affair that he yeah, had. Yeah, but that 
was exposed because he had leaked information to a writer who was, I guess, putting together a book or something. Yeah, so he had taken these documents and... He had these notebooks notes. of notes with meetings, high-level, high-security type meetings, meetings with President Obama, stuff that you don't just hand over to somebody who doesn't have the proper security yeah. clearances, and he did, so he got in trouble because of that. Normally, it's a pretty stiff fine. They go after you pretty good for leaking state secrets. Oh, I bet they do. But he got $40,000 and two years probation. So, but he also pled, right? So he pled guilty. Oh yeah, to yeah. He didn't that. fight it. He said, "Yeah, I did it." Yeah, yeah. So forty thousand dollars, two years probation. Did you know what James just said earlier? He just admitted he's been keeping taking, notes on the show. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I guess you've been giving them to a, a writer. Yeah, I, I uh, compiled all of my notes from all the meetings that we've had and uh, gave them to a writer. And how, how many notes did you have? Uh, I don't know. Probably, like, just just page volume. Yeah, page volume. I probably had about two hundred. Wow. Yeah, it's it's. Pretty those weren't my extensive. meetings. I wasn't in any of those meetings. Well, I didn't say how detailed the notes were. Oh, so yeah, there were a lot of color, like uh, rudimentary drawings. Yeah. So it's going to be a picture book. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's going to be about fifteen pages, picture books. <laughs> it says stuff like Doctor Matt just keeps talking and talking. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> this meeting will never end. When will this meeting be done? So. Interesting. Look for that on your, uh, your bookstores. Yeah, on google.blogsplot.amazon.com. Forward slash backslash Matt Townsend book. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a superbug at the UCLA Medical Center yes. in yes. Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. Because of an endoscopic procedure. Mm-hmm. It happened again. Same place? Cedar sinai Oh, boy. Another big hospital. Superbug. They're doing these... Uh, uh, examinations procedures with a specific tool, a scope that is very hard to clean. You apparently, can't, you can't clean the scope. Or was it the, I thought that the the cleaning uh, pro- protocol was wrong. Well, it, it I I saw on mm-hmm. random news outlet. Yeah, you have this tool. It feeds into your throat so they can examine your uh, your gutty works. Uh, and on the very tip of it is another like camera sort of piece that moves yeah. around. That piece is the part that's difficult to clean. You know what they're doing And it's wrong. getting infected and people getting sick. They need to send it to my grandma. My grandma can clean anything. <laughs> She'll take care of it. She, she that thing would be clean. I'll like, bet you grandmas unite across America could save us from the superbug. Possibly. We didn't have superbugs back when grandmas were like the radical cleaners that they used to be. My grandma used to rake her shag carpet. Rake it? Well, she had a shag carpet <laughs> rake. And she'd say, Matt, go get the rake. Go get the rake, Matt. And I'd run to the garage and she'd say, no, the indoor rake. The, uh, the, the hospital, Cedar sinai Medical Center, says that they've stopped doing the procedure, launched its own investigation, which is what you say when you have a PR mm-hmm. department. And you're trying to buy time. <laughs> and you're trying to buy time. And uh, they're trying to find this, this superbug CRE. No one has died yet. I think <sighs> they're trying to investigate. And yeah. So they found it, but they're just trying to stop it, of course, before it gets out. I'm telling you. Superbugs. They discriminate against the, the seniors. And they probably aren't hiring them to clean these these surgical rooms. But I'm telling you, you need to go back about two generations. Grandmas, they need to probably be in their 80s. You give them a bottle of Lysol, some bleach, put grandma on the assignment, get rid of superbugs. I'm serious. This is a mess. 
<sighs> Good stuff. Okay. Superbugs mm-hmm. could be a source of anxiety. Great segue. There you go. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Tamar Shansky uh, about anxiety and how we could maybe go about teaching our children to handle their worries and to, to basically process anxiety. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back combating the fears and worries for our children right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We wanted to talk about a subject that I see in my practice a lot. A lot of parents uh, bring their children in, you know, suffering from anxiety. And what do you do? I mean, if they have a little social anxiety or some other generalized kinds of anxiety, it's it, it can be a scary thing for them and also for you as a new parent. So we wanted to talk to an expert, and we found a great article on psychcentral.com that was written by um, our guest today, Tamar Chansky. She's a Ph.D. and the author of the book Freeing Your Child from Anxiety um, and really has so much to offer us when it comes to figuring out how to process this, uh, this experience of anxiety or worry with your children. Tamar, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's great to have you. Is do we pronounce your last name Chansky? Yes. Is and by the way, go to the website tamarchansky dot com. T a m a r c h a n s k y dot com. Tamar, thanks for being here. When when I saw that uh, that ad or the it looks like an ad actually. It's a big kind of infographic process for how we're supposed to go through anxiety and worry with our kids what what are we supposed to know when we what, how do we detect if there's an anxiety problem but you're you're putting so many good thoughts out there matt so let me um let me see if i can hit hit all the high points here that the way you said it you said how do we process this experience with our children and that's the, the idea is that this is an experience that all children are going to have at different points. And rather than get frightened yeah. <laughs> ourselves as parents to see it as an opportunity to teach our kids about how, you know, this is sort of another fact of life. Um, and we're, I think, the best people to, you know, to really start these lessons and, and help launch our kids. So a big part of what I talk about, Matt, is helping kids to change their relationship with their worry. And the way that you do that is to realize that you are in a relationship with your worry. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to separate your child from the worry in the sense of saying, you know, when they say, I'm so scared, instead of saying, why are you scared? You say, because then they have to defend why they're scared, uh-huh. wrong direction. Right. We say, what's worry telling you? about this situation. So suddenly now there there's sort of two two different voices. There's your child and there's their worry. And when you put it out as a sort of an option like that, it opens up the possibility that your child out 
other options and other possibilities. Mm. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a great way to start. I, I think I think there's something powerful there to think that, I mean, worry is, like you said, it's something everybody, and I, I call it worry, not anxiety. Mm-hmm. Is that is that healthy? I mean, it seems like the word anxiety is so clinical in a way and, and scarier to me than just the idea of worry that everybody feels. I, I agree. And it's, it's really funny sometimes when kids come in, I usually the first question I ask them is, you know, did your parents tell you why they wanted you to yeah. be here? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, sometimes it's no, and I have to reassure them I'm not the kind of doctor that has needles and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of times these kids have heard the word anxiety, and, and I immediately want to help them to know that, you know, I say, I'm going to ask you a trick question. How many people do you think on the planet have anxiety? And they kind of start to get the idea, like, right. Everybody has that. Mm. Everybody has that at different times. Yeah. And so, and, and yet then a certain percentage end up being diagnosed with, I guess, a more chronic case of it. Is that the idea? It could be um, chronic or just in the degree to which it's disabling to a child that they would, you know, meet the criteria for a, a diagnosis. So it's really, it's about one in five um, kids at this point um, and about one in four adults. So we'll have um, anxiety to the point where it interferes with day-to-day life. It's not something that they can kind of work through and, mm-hmm. and put aside, but it's it's their sort of their default setting that, that keeps them from the things that they want to do. Uh, it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's core. I mean, especially you would see signs a lot of times. Uh, we, have, we have one child that has... Um, kind of, I guess it's just more social anxiety. And we didn't even know he had it until, you know, he seemed, you know, like he was in, in doing everything that a normal kid would do and just a traditional pattern, like every one of our other kids. And then all of a sudden we're dropping him off to kindergarten and it hit. The, it hit. It hit. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, get out of the van, get out of the van. And he, this kid did not want to get out of the van. And after two or three you know, really difficult moments of trying to hand him off to the school. Um, it it didn't go well, and we finally figured out this guy's got a little social anxiety. Right, right. And so, you know, the the thing there, you know, you were asking earlier, how do parents know if it's a problem? You know, the first thing is to just work with what you've got. Um, and it may be that understanding that your child needs a bit more time to warm up, maybe needs for you to be the speaker for a little bit yeah. to, you know, kind of uh, help him adjust while not being so much in the spotlight. Um, if those kinds of things are helpful or practicing at home, how to say hi, you know, to the teacher, or, you know, that sort of thing or to other kids, if those things help, you know, you're, you're on your way. It just, um, it's just when you don't have a system to kind of help your child move forward and they seem to be avoiding more things instead of warming up to them, you know, that's when parents may want to seek help. Right. Yeah. And I think when you look at it, too, you you can see um, you're, the neat thing I think that you're drawing in, I, I, your book is about, is the worry is you, it's, it's not unique to one person. Everybody has it. And it really is a life-saving device, right? This was designed, uh, you know, evolutionarily, we've kind of created this process of protecting ourselves, and it's that biochemistry feedback of that anxiousness that's really trying to help us survive. Right, right. It's just making a miscalculation of the risk in a situation. 
you know, so I'll explain to kids that, you know, back in the day, if they're, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we we were, you know, stepping out of the cave or, or whatever it was and there were tigers around, our, you know, that same system, that fight or flight system would help us know to get back to safety, you know, run for our lives or fight for our lives, which is great. But if you're sitting taking a math test and that same system goes off, really inconvenient. You can't, you know, you can't do that math test if your system is telling you run. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work too well. <laughs> so we have to do the, the system override to say, you know, wait, no, worry's got it wrong in this situation. That's not what I need. Right. See, that's, I guess, the key is teaching them. I mean, I like just the idea of normalizing it. This is such a normal thing. So this doesn't make you a freak. This doesn't make you so crazy and different from everybody. It's normal. It's a normal body kind of thing. But you need to notice when it's impeding, you know, you know, your healthy functioning. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So that's why, again, this idea of the relationship with worry that helping kids to be in charge of it knowing its kind of characteristics, oh, yeah, when you're doing something new, when you're doing something that maybe you're going to be evaluated, expect worry to show up. In fact, expect worry to show up first because that's, again, just how we're wired, but don't stop there. You know, think twice, sort of do worry's version of what's going to happen, and then fact check it, and, you know, with each point to see what, what really do you believe is going to be the outcome in that situation. So really try to, you know, use more data, get more information to, to, to kind of more cognitively process it instead of just emotionally processing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And, you know, I say what if you looked at it, if you took a test on this at school, like, you know, do you really think that you're going to forget everything on your, you know, <laughs> yeah. on your book report? Right. Or is that more worries version? You know, you might forget some things, but mm-hmm. why, you know, why do you think you won't forget everything? Oh, yeah, you've been practicing. Right. Worry doesn't look at the fine print like that. It's so true. By the way, the same child with um, a little bit of social anxiety, uh, he's popular. People love him. He's talented at what he does. And um, yet his mind still plays these games on him where the body Mm -hmm. creates the chemistry. And then he actually, and I guess this is a problem for a lot of us where we believe our chemistry more than our cognitions, more than even the data we know. Like we know we'll do fine on the test. We've always done fine on the tests. And yeah. yet we believe the chemistry and the fear, and, and you're, I guess the key is just having people learn to question that more. Yes, exactly. I call it, you know, having your brain be more honest with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if we did the exit interview on all these situations where worry was sure it was going to be a disaster, you know, what really did happen, sure. worry was wrong every time. So, yeah, it's, you know, I think... That idea that we 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 do believe the the signals in our body more just because they get there first. But if we don't stop there, yeah. we're you know we create a new pathway and a new pattern, which is the the fact checking, which is really you know going more for accurate thinking. This is good, good stuff. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Tamara Tamar Chansky, and she is teaching us about her book, freeing yourself from anxiety. Four simple steps to overcome worry and create the life you want. When we come back, we'll be going through more of those steps uh, and trying to free all of us. This same process, by the way, I believe is the same thing that makes us fear speaking and public speaking 
and other things that uh, that might be holding you back as an adult as well. So when we come back, more on freeing ourselves from anxiety and worry. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. friends to the Matt Townsend show. Today we are talking about anxiety in your life and in your child's life as well. It's a tough thing. How do you deal with and, and free yourself from anxiety? Four simple steps to overcome worry and create the life you want. That is from our guest today, Dr. Tamar Chansky, and she joins us now live on the phone. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Matt. We so appreciate you going through this. I mean, this is you have four steps, and the, the reality of it, everybody's going to feel this sense of worry. For some people, they, they get a lot more entrenched in it. They dig a lot deeper into it. It, it overwhelms them a little bit more. Um, but you, you say that there are some things that we can specifically do, four simple steps. Maybe walk us through those steps. Some I'm sure we've already kind of touched on a little bit. But what is the process of overcoming anxiety? Yeah, so... And uh, just for your listeners, so I have a a few books out. One is for adults, um, freeing yourself from anxiety, and um, another for kids, well, for parents of kids uh, who have anxiety, freeing your child from anxiety. And the steps are are just ever so slightly different. Okay. However, (laughs) they're real. If we were to just, what you know, what do you sort of put in your pocket to go, that what you want to do is to shrink the worry down to size, and then by doing that, that you will feel less afraid of approaching the situation because you you turn the the mountain back to a molehill, essentially. Mm -hmm. So the way we, we do that shrinking partly is, you know, like we were saying earlier, about realizing that worry makes mistakes. It it's not a reliable way of um, making decisions about things, of evaluating situations. Yes, it's, uh, you know, anxiety and, and fear have are, you know, have ser- serve an evolutionary purpose and, and a purpose now for, you know, walking down uh, a dark alley. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> and that's, and right. that's good that we get those signals. Huh, turn around. That's good. <laughs> get out of there. Yeah, not, not a good thing. But where does our anxiety come up? It's about, you know public speaking, going out on a date, going on a job interview, you know, um, thinking, are, you know, are our kids going to be okay today? Are kids, people going to be nice to them? Um, those are not those life-threatening situations where um, anxiety's uh, advice is going to be so over the top that it'll actually distract us from focusing on what we really need to do. So the shrink idea is shrinking down the worry to what, you know, we, we think everything's going to go wrong or I'm not prepared for anything, shrink it down to see what, what are the things that I really do need to pay attention to mm. in this situation. Are there any things that I need to, for instance, prepare for? I'm doing a presentation tomorrow. You know, my anxiety could say, you know, oh, it's going you know, to be terrible. You're not you know, going to forget things. You're not going to remember things. But maybe it's um, I need to practice my PowerPoint 
Maybe I need to get the technology. You know, maybe yeah. there are some things there. But again, that's the fine print that our thinking brain knows about, not our emotional brain, which just says run. I, so I love that one. because it gives you something to do, right? And by yeah. going by shrinking it down to the most oper- operative, you know, operational thing we can work on, and then we go work on that. Mm-hmm. You're going to have leverage because you, you're kind of dealing with it, and but you're also able to get that energy out by doing something. Right. And doing something constructive. That's right. Yeah. So so that's step one. And then step two, yeah, is really it's about approaching those things. You know, a lot of times people will come in, whether it's kids or I see adults as well, who say, you know, I just, I haven't, like, I, I don't drive on the highway or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid to do that. You know, and they have all these ideas in their mind about it. Meanwhile, they're not taking their kids places that they want to take them. You know, there's a lot of loss connected with that or a lot of costs uh, connected with that. And when we start to shrink the picture down to what, you know, okay, merging on a highway, that's the thing that's hard. The other things I could be okay with, you know, you start to work on that. But then the approach is, okay, let's, um, you know, kind of break this down into small steps. What's the first thing? You know, they picture like, oh, I'm going to have to drive four hours somewhere. That's (laughs) a lot of merging. That's right. Yeah. So not as a first step. We don't start uh, swimming in the deep end. Uh, You know, what's, I say to people, what's sort of the shallow, the shallow end for you of this or a little, little bit in? Because the the analogy that I use with um, these, exposures, as we call them, but just really opportunities to practice uh, new, new uh, skills and situations is thinking of it as a swimming pool, that when you try something that you, you know, is new to you, that you're worried about, it is kind of like getting into a pool. You feel uncomfortable at first, doesn't feel good, but you hang in and yeah. what happens? You adjust, you know, you get used to it. And so I just say like, yeah, what's sort of, you know, no, not the, not the deep end, but let's, let's find a place in the pool that you're ready to get in and expect that it's going to feel uncomfortable at first. This is so important for parents to know because a lot of times they will take their children's distress as, I mean, you know, and you have to uh, gauge this, but they will take their, their children's, uh, you know, upset about this as a sign that they shouldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And they'll just kind of abandon the project instead of, well, maybe we took two steps ahead and we should just take one. So let's, you know, scoot back a little bit. That kids are going to feel uncomfortable at first, but how does the story end? When a child does something that they have been afraid to do, they are so proud of themselves. You bet. <laughs> and we don't want to deprive, you know, we're the ones, we're the safest ones, we're the best ones to give our children the opportunity to practice those things. Oh, it's so tough. true. And and the, when they know, and this is, an, I guess, important because if I'm an anxious parent, my anxiety might actually make it worse for my anxious child because then I'm maybe creating weird questions or weird thoughts or fears or concerns for them, or I'm not even letting them do this growth process. Exactly. It's so It's so true. And so if you catch yourself with what are the, you know, are you sort of priming your child to worry? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it's not like parents cause it, but we can help, Influence you know, it, yeah. either kind of work our kids into it or help them out of it. When we say things like, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are you sure you're okay with that? Well, they weren't <laughs> even, you know. like They weren't even thinking about here. the sleepover with their uh, friends. 
Are you yeah. sure you're going to be able to make it through the night? What? Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, yes, we, you know, you just, you want to, like with anything else, Matt, this is advice that, you know, I see so many places and it's so, it's so good. It's just start with where your child is. So ask them, you know, what are you thinking about, you know, such and such, whatever it is, the school, you know, camping trip or whatever. Find out their starting point and then work with that. Don't inadvertently plant. (laughs) Nobody wants to do that, but this is a good way. It's sort of, I call it parents under-functioning, which uh, with a little asterisk after that for what that means, that just rather than guessing, telling, making up, you know, ideas, just ask your child, what are they thinking? That's so good. What's their worry telling them? And then you go from there. Yeah, I mean, because they may be a five-year-old or they may be a 12-year-old and you're you're ready to give them the talk. We're giving you the talk. Here comes the talk. (laughs) But it might be better instead of going in with the talk, it might be better to find out where they are. Right. And they'll listen more. Yeah. It's, it's job sharing. You know, so the, the Charlie Brown idea so captures what, what happens when parents lecture, you know, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Kids, and if they're anxious, they're, they're not hearing it like that. They're just getting more overwhelmed because information is coming in and they can't process it. So it's so much more effective to ask your child first, you know, what they're thinking about uh-huh. it. Um, and then, yeah, they're kind of, you help them move from the emotional brain to the thinking brain, and then they'll be in a place to be able to receive the information that you have uh, for them. So good. And then it seems like once, let's say that we've got the steps and my child goes and tries to do that, or I go, I go prepare my speech and then I go have the speech. Is there, it seems like there's benefit. Is there benefit to coming back after and, and re-kind of connecting and saying, I was so afraid before, and yet this is how it turned out. And, and kind of, if we could, it seems like being able to see that it was successful. Absolutely. And if we can do it without saying, see, I told you so. Yeah, right. All the better. I told you. All that crying. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, so look, we're all trying to do the best we can. And so if parents can say, there even, you know, let let your child be the hero. Let them take the glory, you say. So what'd you think? Mm-hmm. You know? And they can say, you know, it was easier than I thought or it was hard at first. And then it, it got easier. And you say, wow, I'm so glad that you figured that out. That's so great. You that know, that's is. such a good thing that you that you figured out there. Let them have all of the credit. Yeah. Because it's theirs. <laughs> they did do it after all. So true. I, I even had a chance like that with my son, and I asked him after because he had had a successful moment, and we had a really hard time getting him there to go have the successful moment. But when he he did it, I asked him, what would you want? Is there anything I could say next time we have a situation like this that you don't want to go to? How would you want me to respond to you to remind you of this? Mm, wonderful. And so he great. even gave me the words. Like he says, just remember, remember the guitar recital. Just say, just say that. Just say, remember the guitar recital. And it made it so much easier for me because, and the other thing is I noticed we were partnering on it. He knew he could trust me to help partner him through it. And I would, you know, bridge it a little bit, but he also knew it would turn out. It does. Right. Oh, that's such a great story. And that, yeah, so, so good when we ask kids what, what help they need rather than, Telling, telling them what help they need. That's wonderful. And I guess that's easier as they get older. I mean, but this could also be your spouse, right? I mean, if we could talk to our spouse about their worry. Should we have my husband get on the phone? I'm always (laughs) telling him what lines I need to hear. Yes. 
But that, I think it's powerful because now we're partners with each other and we're helping each other carry the burdens of life. Right. And, it, you know, on, in all seriousness, that part of what happens with anxiety is that we feel so not only that the risks of the situation are exaggerated, but we feel so um, unprepared and incompetent. Mm. And so when we can be saying what we need and, you know, that's we're in the realm of our competence, being able to ask for help is a very competent thing to do. You bet. <laughs> it is, isn't it? In today's day and age, and, and having a safe enough place where it's safe to ask, you know, and it, the relationship is there, and we're safe enough to to know that you're not going to beat me up with your answer and mm-hmm. say, I told Make you so. Make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. And, yes. It's also, I guess, I want to get out there that it's nobody wants this worry or this anxiety, and, and yet I have some people that just because they don't get anxiety because they've never felt it, they, they sometimes just think it's about character weakness. Mm-hmm. Or a desire to control yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. What would you say, what would you just say to these people? I mean, this isn't a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I try to do, Matt, is I try to find connections through empathy that, that people can can, you know, sort of have a, a visceral experience where I'll say, you know, when you get ready, sometimes I use this to explain OCD, but I think it could be um, for anxiety in general. I say, think about your wedding day or, you know, the, the, a job interview you had, something really important. What was your behavior like that day? You know, did yeah. you, and could you, if somebody had said stop, could you have done yeah, you know, right. Could you have done that? That's and right. was that about your you know, or when you're going on vacation for, you know, a while and you're you keep checking to see if you have your tickets and your passport. What it you know people can't stop you know, that's just a process that you're in. That's Imagine it. having that process go on every every day, that every, you know, interaction, every transaction of the day felt like that. Mm. That's what anxiety feels like. Well and we need if you have someone in your life that goes through this, you, you, you can't just keep trying to get them to do it your way. You, as soon as they get that you get their issue, their anxiety or their worry, it's the beginning of being able to partner on it a little bit more, isn't it? Yeah, and not, you know, that's great. That's a great way of thinking about it and, and not to have to sort of prove that this is real. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times that dynamic happens between parents and kids that, if a parent is more dismissive or just just not understanding what's going on, that sometimes kids do, you know, they get more upset about that. They they feel like they have to do those things to to sort of prove to their parents that they are really suffering. They don't want to do that. That's like the wrong direction. Right, right. This isn't going um, the right way. Yeah, but so the more that there's understanding that people are always, really always trying to function on their behalf. They They really are just some, you know. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we get stuck. Well, we uh, we appreciate your insight. Dr. Tamar Chansky, go to her website, tamarchansky.com. She has a lot of resources there. She's uh, does a lot of writing and has been in uh, many, many uh, national journals and articles. She's also has some, some great videos on her website as well. Go check out the books also, Freeing Yourself from Anxiety and Freeing Your Child from Negative Thinking, Freeing Your Child from Anxiety as well. There's lots of great resources there. Tamar Chansky, appreciate you and everybody. Let's keep uh, this discussion alive. After the break, we're going to come back, do a little Coach's Corner. I'm going to give you a few more tools to help process and heal 
through the worries. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Anxiety. Do you ever feel it? I call it the worries. We have the worries, and everybody's uh, everybody's got something that might terrorize them, might make them a little bit afraid. But if you are married to somebody or you have children with anxiety, you got to know that uh, if you don't understand what's going on there, you're probably going to create a wedge between you and the the people that you love. They um, they don't want to be judged on this. They don't want to think that they they're unhealthy, that they're different, that they're broken, just simply because their body creates a stronger fight or flight response to almost anything. And, and you've seen kids. So do you know how many times I've had a mother come in? And she's so worried. Oh, my heavens. Because her husband, her child doesn't go play. He doesn't do what he needs to do. He just stays inside and he just plays video games and he's not thriving and he doesn't have as many friends as he needs. And as I hear this mother talking in all of her worry, I start to feel her anxiety. <laughs> she's tense. She's anxious. And her anxiety, if that same I- emotion that she just shared with me if that is ever shared with her child, that's going to actually induce a deeper set of anxiety and other issues. And so one of the things I really um, think we should focus on and is, is how we process through it a little bit. And one of the great tools that I try to do, and these are just little rules that I use when I'm coaching my kid, my own family, my kids, or anybody else on anxiety or worry. First thing I do is I try to normalize it the most I can, meaning I really want them to just understand that having this anxious moment or this anxious feeling, it's totally normal. We all feel it, whether it's a a state game, basketball game, or whether it's having to go to the business meeting, whether it's trying to close the big deal, whether it's going to school for some people, or just making a phone call for others, we all are going to have it. And that's the body's normal way of trying to get you to pick up your game so you have a better result, right? Your body wants you to deliver, and it gives you the energy and the resources you need to knock it out of the park. That's why you're having this heightened sense. Even as a speaker, I speak a ton, and I don't usually get worried before a speech. Um, I just, But I can feel my body kick in, and I, it gets a little tension. And that tension actually is a healthy, good thing that we need to understand. So try to normalize why, you know, humans feel worry and anxious. Discuss also sometimes how people, sometimes our bodies misfire and we feel worry when we shouldn't. And if you can just start sharing that with your family, with your kids, having them know that it's just worry. But one way to know that you're having the signs are you're going to have rapid breathing, heart rate's going to go up, you might feel a little sick, a little nauseated, Right. You might have trembling. Your mouth might go dry. I mean, I see it all the time when people come in to do a radio interview. They're terrified. And I'm like, relax. Nobody's ever died in here. But the reality is it's a, it's a tense kind of moment. Then what I really like to do, and we didn't talk about this with Tamar Chansky, but I like to share examples 
of where other people worry. For example, with my kids, I share examples of myself where I feel certain moments of anxiety or worry, and I share examples of their grandparents and of their mother and all the people in their life. I try to like show them that there's a lot of people in the family that have what you have. And I try. I, I, it helps to normalize it so they can kind of see that it's a family maybe trait, it's a tendency. But look how so and so gets over it by they do this, and this is how dad gets over it because I do it this way. And by kind of normalizing it that way, but also giving them role models to look at of people that have been anxious. Another thing I've even done before is I go find movie stars, famous people. With my son, I found musicians because my son is really into music. I found musicians that suffer a little bit of anxiety, and I just hold those up as examples of, look, this guy also has some social anxiety, and yet, look, he does this and this and this. Another thing that is so important is you need to help your child distinguish, and your partner, distinguish the difference between the worry and um, and everything else. Because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll present their concerns and their fears and their worries to you. For example, I don't want to go to school. The teacher's so rude. And then we will actually argue with our kids about the teacher, and we'll spend 20 minutes discussing the teacher, when in reality, the teacher's not even the real issue. That's the smoke, right? The smoke, that's not the real issue. The real issue is they have worry. So when I know I have a child that has some anxiety or some worry, instead of believing and fighting and arguing every little point that they make, I don't want to do homework. She has too much homework, and she hates the kids, so she always gives too much homework. Well, when I was your age, we had a lot of homework. Don't get into that. Just point out, honey, this isn't about the homework and this isn't about the teacher. It looks like you're feeling worry. And if I've already taught about worry and we've already had these conversations, then we can work on it, right? Then we can do something. So I want to help be a gauge of somebody that doesn't just keep building more worry about the worry. I want to be the one that sets them free. Then the last rule that I always focus on is I focus on acting on the worry, not masking it, right? Act on it. So instead of asking why, why, I don't necessarily want to figure out why they have anxiety or worry. We just kind of know they do. So instead, I ask one question, how? Okay, honey, I can see you're feeling worried. Remember, we talked about worry, that you're having worry right now about school. So how are you going to handle your worry? How are you going to go through this moment right now, this episode of worry? And I get them to start going through a process of building a plan like we talked about with Tamar. How are you going to do it? And a lot of times the how question is more valuable than the why question, especially if the why question keeps inducing more and more anxiety. Makes sense. Why did you do that? I don't know. I'm an idiot. Why do you think I did it? A lot of us ask, why? Why would you ever do that? I don't know, because a lot of times the only answer to a why question is because I'm an idiot. That's why. So instead, start asking the how question. And the minute you ask, how are you going to handle your worry right now, son? You're having worry. How are you going to handle it? Are you just going to run? Are you going to do something about it? It's the how question. Basic skills, basic tools, right? It's Coach's Corner, my friends. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, after the break, we've got a great guest who's going to walk us through other healthy ideas to create and deal with some of your anxiety, also giving you breathing techniques, other tools. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. 
Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Trying to wake you up a little bit. That's one of the goals of the show. Another is to make sure that once you're awake, that you can go make it a great day. It's not always easy, is it? We've got a lot on our plate, a lot in our mind, and a lot of relationships and and, uh, things that matter to us. We on the show want to give you the solutions and the tools to make sure that you do something with all of those great things. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Now, here's the deal. Do a little news. Got a great guest that's going to walk us through de-stressing tools to help us get our lives back. We're going to go to Las Vegas. See the Sports Nation, guys. See how stressed they are. And I have a goal that I will not, I will not get on my app 1010 and play. (laughs) Excuse me. I will not get on my app, 1010, and play the game during the entire hour. That's your goal. That's my goal. All right. We'll we'll (sighs) hold you to that. Okay. I appreciate. I'm I'm stating it because when you state a goal to other people, it helps me to accomplish the goal. There's a better chance you'll, you'll do that. Here's another goal for you. What? The World Health Organization. Who? 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 They put out new guidelines when it comes to sugar intake. Really? And as this headline says, their their headlines are enough to kill anyone's sugar high <laughs> because they're kind of strict. The UN Health Agency says the world is eating too much sugar and people should uh, slash their intake to just 12 teaspoons per day, an amount that could be exceeded with a single can of soda. Really? So who? They're anti-sodites. Yeah, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you want to go that direction. The report focuses on the added sugars in processed foods, as well as those in honey syrups and fruit juices. The advice does not apply to naturally occurring sugars in fruits, vegetables, and milk, since those come with essential nutrients. Okay. They're trying to rain on our parade. It's the added sugar. It's the the fun part of life, really. Sounds anti-American to me. So if you... (laughs) Really, it is. <laughs> Unfortunately, as it says here, the the WHO, the World Health Organization, who? has what they call solid evidence that keeping added sugars below 10% of energy intake reduces the risk of obesity and tooth decay. Man, are they saying we're fat? They're saying we're eating too much sugar. Okay. In well, a nice way. I agree, but they don't need to be rude about it. <laughs> so, can, you know, one can of soda will push you over. The recommended daily intake from the World Health Organization. How about, okay, what if I don't drink a can of soda, but I drink seven cans of diet soda and 14 suckers? The suckers probably have the sugar. Man, this is complicated. The diet soda doesn't have the sugar, but it has other problems. I like how we kind of got a window into your typical diet. Yeah, it's like, that's my breakfast. Sugar and preservatives. Yeah, he walks in the door with that. You know what? I've ate, I, for breakfast for the last three days. I've eaten oatmeal cookies, oatmeal cookies with raisins, two a day. There you go. That's no, like the healthy cookie, though. That's the healthy cookie, and it's the cookie none of my kids will eat. Start the day off right. So that's the only reason those cookies were left is because they've got oatmeal and raisins, but it's high in fiber. 
Right. I've got. I get a little dose of fruit and a pile of sugar, and a whole pile of sugar because it's more than the uh, twelve uh, teaspoons. They're uh, yeah, about, I at yeah. least got eight of my twelve uh, teaspoons cup in and every and a half. Yeah. yeah, per cookie. That'd be a good cookie. Cup but and a half of sugar. It's good for you. In other news, a, a FBI agents have taken a 17-year-old Northern Virginian teen into custody hmm. for allegedly helping a man go to Syria to fight for ISIS. So Ooh. he facilitated another man going to ISIS. Going to ISIS, and he was arrested. The FBI conducted the raid on the townhouse where the high school student lives with his family. So far, the boy has been charged only as a juvenile, but the federal prosecutors are trying to move the case to adult court. Aiding and abetting a terrorist. They're also chasing the guy that. Went to yeah, he seems like the one I'd worry the most about. Yeah, the guy that actually made it, not the guy that yeah. maybe bought a plane ticket for him. Hmm. So interesting good. stuff there. Caught, caught him. That's Department good. of Justice released a scathing report on Ferguson, Missouri, their police oh, department. I heard that. They called uh, their uh, the police department, they described it as a collection agency that exploited black Americans. Although blacks make up 67% of the population of Ferguson, they were targeted 85% of all traffic stops. Ah. <sighs> Okay, so there's now now notice the data is coming in. Yes. We have forever everybody's been mad, everybody's been trying to figure out what's the big deal? It's not about race. It is. It's this is why the they've report, been so frustrated. The report also details alleged racial bias and police policing violations are violating the civil rights of black people. It's rife with examples of excessive use of force and racist language. Man. You know what? Seriously. So what are they going to do? Are we going to do something about it? I don't know. As you read it, it, it sounds like a scathing report, but it doesn't come with any sort of penalties for the police department other than reforms, yeah. making changes. The police officer involved in the Michael Brown shooting will not be charged with any sort of right. civil rights related What they charges. need to do, they need to, they need to investigate it because that's, that's what they always say. Uh, it's under investigation right now. But this is actually a report from an investigation. Yeah, this and is what they've the now final found report. is well, but now what? Now that they've given the report back to the Ferguson Police Department, now the police department will say, you know what? We are doing our own internal investigation and we will get back to you on recommendations from what we find from our investigation. Yes. And the I think number one recommendation is write a scathing letter. Right. That usually works very well. By the way, will you will you take a note, James? Yeah, yeah. Um uh Write more scathing notes. Okay. Uh, number two, mm-hmm. look up the word scathing, mm-hmm. yeah, define it, and then uh, use it in my note writing and note. Would you like me to define it in the letters that you're going to be sending? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I, I'd like them to have to do that. Okay. Thank you, James. Mm-hmm. In other news, one of the best places to downhill sled in the Washington, D.C. area is on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> Rules dating back to 1879 prevent the practice on Wednesday. From 1879, they They said, sledding. don't do this. But a D.C. representative, Eleanor Holmes Norton, sent a letter to Capitol Police requesting that the ban be temporarily lifted, temporarily lifted from Thursday through Sunday because a big storm's coming through, the kids that have a lot of fun. Yeah, heaven Sen- forbid. Senator Harry Reid stepped in and supported her in this. He thought it'd be fun to see kids sliding and having fun sliding down the hills. Um, Harry Reid can't see. Yeah, no. The Capitol Police turned down the request because of the risk of injury on public property. So you cannot sled at the U.S. Capitol. Bah humbug! But someone's going to run up there and do it anyways. Because how, uh, how would you know it's one of the best places unless someone's done it since 1879? Well, there's journals. They've been doing genealogy. Grandpa, great, 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 grandpa Jones used to sled down the Capitol Hill. 
Till that tragic day. In 1879. <laughs> also, the Ringling Brothers Circus is going to phase out elephant acts. I, you know. It's, is it the rampaging elephant acts? No. Where they run all over and end up hurting people? They have a herd of 43 elephants that they use in their circuses. Wow. And they're phasing them out because uh, there's fear of uh, the treatment of animals. Yeah. They say the audience's not, yeah. opinion of how animals are being used is changing to mm-hmm. the point where this isn't an, attra- an attraction people are in support of anymore. So they're phasing it out. By 2018, it will not be part of their circuses. So now we're going to have 40-plus elephants unemployed. Well, no, they're going to go to, as it says here, a 200-acre sanctuary in central Florida. We'll have a herd of 43 elephants just rampaging through Florida. Can you imagine the havoc they're going to create in central Florida? 40 animals that are used to being in the circus. Florida has a huge problem with snakes because people buy their snakes and then release them them and they're out there. and, And they have a huge problem with alligators, crocodiles, whichever one it is in that region of the world. Now they're going to have an elephant population. Can you imagine? It'll be an issue. Down the streets of central Florida. You go on fan boat tours and see elephants. <laughs> That's what I did. Thanks, Barnum and Bailey, for dumping your problem on Florida. Poor But really, elephants. what better place to dump your 43 elephants than in Florida? Yeah. Don't come to Utah. No. It's cold. If you have, like, you know, NSA data centers, yeah, no yeah. problem. But yeah. elephants, no. Keep your elephants out of here. Well, congratulations to uh, Barnum and Bailey and those 40 elephants as you're being phased out. I hope they feel okay about it. You know, if I was an old elephant, I'd be a little worried. Is he going to get more work? Is he going to, who's going to put up the big tent? Stuff like that. Hmm. See, that's what we're bringing on the show, folks. You don't get that anywhere else but on the Matt Townsend Show. When we come back, we're going to be talking to a performance consultant, John Bush, uh, who is the uh, owner of Breakthroughs, Cons- uh, Breakthroughs Coaching. He's going to walk through some tools we can use to reduce stress. We're trying to get you ready for a healthier, happier life as you're getting to work. Maybe some of these are the ways to do it. Take a break. We'll be right back with John Bush right here on Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Throughout the show, we've been talking about uh, anxiety and, and uh, managing anxiety by controlling your thinking a little bit more. We've also uh, talked about technology, and interestingly, a lot of our technology might be inducing some of that anxiety. But really, there is a lot of uh, stress that just happens. It's a byproduct of life. And I've asked my next guest to come on. He's a good friend of mine. His name is John Bush, and he is the, the founder of the company called Breakthroughs Coaching. And if you go to his website, BreakthroughsCoaching.com, John is, uh, has spent many years um, helping people get unstuck and uh, many years of research as well. He has a master's degree in, um, in communications and has worked with Franklin Covey. Uh, for years and and has done a lot of uh, consulting and coaching of executives and and just teams throughout the country. Again, a good friend of mine is going to walk us through reducing stress in our lives. Johnny Bush, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt, good morning. How are you, Johnny? I'm doing great. Great to be on here this morning with you and looking forward to 
spending some time talking about this very, very important topic. You you don't get stressed, do you? You're a very you calm, laid-back guy. People that know me uh, uh, and have known me for years even would look at my countenance and kind of how I interact with people and say, you know, you don't get overly stressed. And looking back growing up, I didn't think that I really struggled with stress or anxiety. But as I got older, the impact of stress and anxiety started to take a toll. And, and there was a point in my life, happened about seven years ago, where a confluence of, of difficult, challenging times hit all at once and, uh, and knocked me for a loop. Mm. And in part, that's what sent me on this journey, searching for all kinds of, of practices and tools, simple ideas, things that people could do every day to help lower their stress level and get more into that, that zone area that we like to operate in. You, I mean, you've written a book on it. It, it. This really was. It's called Thriving in Turbulent Times, A Practical Guide for Alleviating Stress and Elevating Perspective, Purpose, and Passion. You, It was a hard time, and I remember uh, moments going, or when you were going through it talking to you about what you were learning. You called it your university of adversity. Yes. <laughs> you got a Ph.D. there, man. My most helpful degree, I believe, in my coaching <laughs> practice is that one. It's, it's What's cool about it is... I mean, luckily for the rest of us, you went through it and wanted to find solutions. And so that's what I'd love you to teach us. What are some things we could be doing, you know, with our minds, with our bodies, with our spirit to make sure that we we actually can make it through those tough times? Well, Matt, you, you hit on three key areas that I focus on with my coaching practice and the, and the tools in my book focus on these three areas as well, that it, it's the mind it's the body, and it's the spirit, or what I call the heart center. And to the degree that you can get all three of those areas working in harmony, you can manage your stress very well, manage the adversity that comes your way to a high degree, but more importantly, just enjoy life more. Yeah. Feel better. And, and be able to have healthier relationships, interact with your family in, in a higher level, healthier way. And, and also just have more success on the job. It, it has such a pervasive impact, this idea, notion of stress. And to the degree that we can get on top of it and manage it, boy, it just makes life so much more smoother for us. Does the stress come, I mean, a lot of us, I think, think that the stress comes from either our body, you know, just we might have a physiological, you know, inability to manage our neurotransmitters might be off or whatever, or it might be a mind issue, so it's just our thinking. But you bring in the spirit side of it. How does the spirit, or the you call it the, what do you call it, the heart center, how does the heart center either create uh, or impact negatively anxiety, and or how does it soften it, make it better? Well, uh, it's a great question, and let me start off by talking a little bit about about what I mean by the heart center. So think about the last time you had one of those moments when you just knew what you needed to know, yeah. whether it was a decision to change your career, call an old friend out of the blue, or check on a child that you sensed was in danger. There's that knowing that we feel from time to time that comes from what I call that heart center. And it's often referred to as our intuition, our instinct, our sixth sense, or our spirit, our inner guide. It's that feeling from within that causes us to say, I know in my heart what I need to do. I just have a gut feeling that I should move in this direction. And here's the deal. When we ignore that inner knowing, when we go in the opposite direction of what our heart is telling us to do, 
it creates massive stress for us. Mm. And so to the degree that we can get in alignment with and tap into what our heart is telling us, then we can avoid a whole myriad of challenges and turmoil that happens in, from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You, you could physically be strong, exercising in great shape. You could be fairly mentally strong as well, but be out of almost out of integrity with your that inner strength, and you're going to feel it. That's exactly right. The way you put that is perfect. Out of integrity with your your inner self, that inner guide. And so that's what I mean by, by tapping into your heart center and, and, and finding out what your intuition is telling you, especially when it comes to making really important decisions in our life, whether it be a career change or where to move your family, who to marry, for example. Yeah. Um, those big life changes, so important to connect with our heart center. Now, here's the challenge. We spend so much of our time up in our head. Oh, yeah. And we're always constantly tinkering around in our mind. And, and here's, here's why we do this. Because the mind is perfectly designed to look in the rearview mirror and think about the decisions you made in the past, worry, stew, regret, something that happened in the past. And we also cast forward some of our fears. Well, what if this happens? What if, you know, if, I, if I make the wrong decision here, gosh, this could be catastrophic. And so the mind is constantly bouncing back and forth between the past and the future and, and distracting us from tapping down into our heart center. Hmm. So true, isn't it? And, and I mean, when I think of like passion and somebody having passion, that's probably where all three are aligned. And then when you see people fading out of passion, it might be that, you know, they might be even getting a prompting that says, you know, it's probably time to move on, get a new job. I've seen you do that, by the way. I've seen you be have your heart telling you it's time to go do something different, even though your your body's like, oh, no, no, we're not leaving this job. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's hard. You want to keep the job for your body and your mind, but your heart's telling you to leave. We, I've done it. You've done it. And in the end, it pays off, but sometimes the people around you think you're crazy. It takes a lot of courage. It, it takes a lot of courage to, to follow our heart, and uh, it takes effort to tap into what it's telling us. And sometimes, whether it be our own fears in our own mind can distract us. And also, you, know, you bring up a great point, sometimes even well-meaning people, you know, good friends, people that are really close to us may get us away or out of alignment with what we know we ought to be doing. Yeah, that's huge. What are some tools we can use to get back into that, uh, I guess, getting back into the heart center or creating more alignment between the body, mind, and spirit? Let's talk about staying in the present for a moment, Matt. One of the best ways to quiet that chatter in our mind from going in reverse, worrying about the past or casting fears in the future, is to focus right now on the here and now, what's right in front of me. Now, you may have heard you know, your wise grandmother say something like, you know, live in the present, yeah. or you know, from your resident golf pro, stay in the moment. It's not new wisdom. But here's the challenge. Keeping our minds focused on the present moment seems to be a very challenging skill for us to master. And if you're like most of mankind, you may spend a fair bit of your mindset either wallowing in the past or forecasting fearful what-if scenarios in the future. And we're in when that scattered state of mind, we tend to be less productive in our daily tasks and less effective in our interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. 
And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we refocus our attention in the present? Number one, when you find yourself being distracted, lots of worry going on in the mind, swimming in the pool of regret, for example, just refocus your attention on the task at hand. I was talking to my wife last night about what I was going to cover today, and she said, you know what? I had a profound experience with this last night. She was preparing the dinner and, and had a lot of thoughts going through her mind about what, what's on the kid's agenda tomorrow, what do we have to do tonight, who needs help with homework, you know, all the family stuff that literally presses for our time and attention, all good stuff. Yeah. Problem is she was just swimming in it and feeling the anxiety starting to rise in her, starting to feel stressed. And so in that moment, she was peeling an orange, and she just got really focused on what she was doing. The texture of the orange, the smell of it as she peeled it open, gazing out the window and just noticing the view from outside the kitchen window. And just that simple little task of being present with what she was doing, all of a sudden, that worry, that anxiety just quieted down, and she had a feeling of peace come over her, and the rest of the evening just went swimmingly well. Yeah. And that's just being present. That's just... You can do that sitting in your car and just notice, you know, the dust on your dashboard. Maybe not everybody has that or the light. And as it's changing and listening, I mean, there's so many ways to do that just in our everyday life. And uh, it really does. It brings us back and it probably it reconnects us to our spirit. John, we need to take a break. Let's come back. I want you to continue giving us the tools to stay in the mind, stay in the present and reconnecting to that heart center. That uh, deep inner intuition, that instinct that's inside of all of us that guides us and leads us to do our highest offering here on this great big ball of mud, Earth. We're going to take a break. More with John Bush from BreakthroughsCoaching.com right here on BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show, De-Stress Your Life segment. We have been trying to give you tools, ideas for how to get the stress out of life. You're always going to have it. You're going to have your job, your responsibilities. We can't just get rid of all of life's issues. But one thing our guest John Bush is teaching us from the from the website Breakthroughs Coaching is simply a, a very basic tool, honestly, of just staying present. Not, I mean, it's a simple idea, but it's not simple to, to do or to, uh, to actually make happen in our lives. Johnny Bush, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt. You there? Thank you. Listen. You were you so in the present. A really good point there, again, about uh, you know, simple ideas. These are simple practices to do. The challenge is things like staying present, not easy to do. Mm -mm. Connecting to our heart, not easy to do. But the tools are very simple and straightforward that I teach that help you do these things in a way that that almost feels effortless over time as you get in the practice and habit of doing them. We're going to talk about another one here. Yeah, what's another one? When life is weighing you down, one of the best ways to maintain a peace of mind and a sense of well-being is to simply breathe. 
Yep. Now, that may sound a little ridiculous because, after all, we unconsciously breathe. We don't even think about it, right? But therein lies the catch. We don't think about our breathing much. And over time, with the pressures of daily life, most of us have defaulted to shallow chest breathing, which actually dramatically reduces the amount of oxygen we take in and causes a whole lot of grief for us. Yep. I, I, I do this all the time. I'll catch myself feeling tense, stressed out, and I'll notice I'm hardly breathing. I've like gone into hibernation mode. <laughs> and if I would just and then I just take big deep breaths. I think it's from the last time you taught us. It, it's I just take a big deep breath and it just immediately releases that tension. Absolutely. And and this insight dates back, dates back for centuries. It comes from ancient traditions like Taoism and Buddhism and ancient Christianity where deep breathing was encouraged for peace of mind. And over time in the West we've kind of forgot about this simple most powerful practice. Here's the deal. Just like you said in your own example, sometimes you find yourself in the press of daily life just feeling tense in your chest and not breathing very deeply. When we do that, we unconsciously trigger that little spot in our brain called the amygdala that is responsible for the fight-or-flight mechanism. So even though we may not be facing a present danger, just the fact that we're not breathing deeply will automatically trigger that amygdala, starts firing, and the cortisol and adrenaline starts going through our body. When that happens, all of a sudden our, our IQ starts lowering a few points, oh, right? Yeah. We don't think as clearly. We can't communicate as effectively. And our interactions with editors tends to be a little bit more jilted. So just learning how to breathe deeply. I say learn. We knew this when we came into this earth. Right. You watch little infants when they breathe. As they're taking a, a nap, you'll, their stomach just gently goes up and down, mm-hmm. up and down. And that's how we were designed to breathe, through the belly. So from time to time, if you just take a simple time out and put your hand on your, on your belly and just notice, where am I breathing? Is it, is it up in the chest? Is it shallow breathing? And just remind yourself, deep breaths. All it takes is four or five deep breaths, and then boom, you're, you're back into that relaxed state again. Yeah, it, it works. I learned it in media school as a broadcast journalist. Right before you're supposed to go on the air, take a big, deep cleansing breath. And I always thought it was – I didn't know what it was for, actually. But it, 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 it calms you. And, really and, and it truly does work. And, and you'll even see when people are arguing or intense, their breathing is – I mean, it's almost like they're running a marathon. Listen to this quote from Dr. Andrew Weil. Some of your listeners may be familiar with him. He's become very popular. He's a, he's a physician. He, he's the author of the best-selling book, Spontaneous Happiness. And yeah. He said this. If I had to limit my advice on healthier living to just one tip, it would simply be to learn how to breathe correctly. Hmm. All right, another exercise. Yep. Connecting to the heart exercise. This is going back to, the, to how, do we, how do we tap into that most valuable heart center? Three simple steps. Find yourself a quiet area to sit down or lie down. Take a few deep cleansing breaths while you're focusing your attention on that area of your heart center. And as you breathe deeply and slowly, imagine that you're breathing through your heart. Visualize your heart actually expanding as you breathe in and then releasing as you breathe out. Feel as as though the breath is coming in through the heart and then out through the heart. And then the final step, when you're in this nice, quiet, rhythmic breathing state, think about something you are grateful for something that causes feelings of love, thankfulness, and joy. Maybe it was a great family vacation or the birth of your first child or your wedding day. Just contemplate that moment 
contemplate that, that, that scenario for just a moment and let those feelings wash over you and wash over your heart center. And what a does, very, very powerful practice. You can very, just do this. This is what you do, John, to, to go connect to what matters most to you, to your values, to your relationships. Yes, it's, it's a very soothing exercise for the nervous system in our emotional state. In fact, medical research has proven that this exercise literally helps balance the hormonal system, hmm. which usually gets out of whack when we suffer from sustained periods of anger or stress, anxiety, and grief. Listen to this quote from Thomas Merton. He's a famous monk and and author of The Seven-Story Mountain. He said this, What can we gain by sailing to the moon if we are not able to cross the abyss that separates us from ourselves? This is the most important of all voyages of discovery, and without it, all the rest are not only useless, but disastrous. The whole idea of of just taking some time out and, and connecting, getting quiet, going inside, and listening to what our heart is telling us. It's, All right. It's by the way, John. It's so. Um, it's th- these things are so natural, and yet it, I guess this is a commentary on what's happening in our world. Is that very natural things like breathing, like being present, are actually pulling us? We're being pulled away from the most basic things. And so if we don't intentionally get back to them, we're going to we're going to struggle. We have about 30 more seconds, John. What's one more thing you want to leave us with that would be the key, a key that we should be learning? One other practice that I encourage daily is this notion of meditation. It's a very simple practice. It's just about getting centered and quiet. It can take 10, 15 minutes. That exercise that I just walked you through is an example of that. Now, lest we think that's kind of woo-woo and out there. Yeah. Consider this, Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, the head coach, <laughs> yeah. 2011, had his team start to meditate. And they pointed to this to one of the reasons why they won the Super Bowl last year, and they should have probably won it again this year. Yeah, I got to it. But here's these big Husky linemen taking time out to meditate to help them get in that <laughs> zone. So, That's so great. And you don't have to wear yoga pants, do you? <laughs> Absolutely. That's Deep breathing, so... connecting to our heart center all designed to align the body, mind, and spirit so that we have that internal integrity. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Johnny B., well done, my friend. Again, the book is Thriving in Turbulent Times, a practical guide for alleviating stress and elevating perspective, purpose, and passion. Go to his website, BreakthroughsCoaching.com. Big, deep cleansing breath. We're going to need it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to Vegas, my friends. Las Vegas. BYU Sports Nation to go talk to Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. That's up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Viva Las Vegas. Who does it better than Elvis? Well, I'll tell you who does it better than Elvis. The BYU Sports Nation brothers, <laughs> Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Many of you didn't know they're actually brothers, and now they're in Vegas. Stepbrothers. Stepbrothers. <laughs> That's a ah. statement for you to say that, Matt Townsend. I know. I'm sorry. Do nope. it better than Elvis? I mean, no offense. Well, no, but you are. You guys are in Vegas. Wow. Two Mormons in Vegas. <laughs> Nothing True scarier than that. founded the city of Las Vegas. This is cool. It's like an Ocean's Eleven show. 
Two Mormons go in. We're just for the other nine. Okay. We're hey, the Mormon twins in Ocean's Eleven. I like it. And you know what? Your <laughs> your hair's growing on me, Jerem. It's growing on me as well. <laughs> Literally. Hey, uh, it's, good to, it's good to hear you guys. What on earth are you two doing in Vegas? We don't know yet. Yeah, we're trying to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the funny thing is, other than the games you get to go see with BYU's men and women's games, you, you probably don't have much more to do. No, we're not in the arena or preparing from... Yeah, you just go back to your today. hotel room. No, we're very excited. The next couple of days are going to be fantastic. Thursday and Friday, full coverage on BYU TV. Four games each day, BYU Sports Nation Live as well. Saturday, BYU Sports Nation. We're doing two games as well on BYU TV. The semi wow. is on Monday. Twelve games in all. Wow. BYU Sports Nation. Just constant awesomeness. You guys are earning your keys. stress alone is going to make Jerem's hair grow very fast. Uh-huh. I'm excited for that. He'll come back with a fro. <laughs> Um, here's <laughs> that would be awesome in the undercoat. Would be office would be all over. Me. I think that would be way cool. Hey, what happened? Um, I guess it's just because you guys didn't want to carry all of your paraphernalia that you have on your table because you're 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 sitting at a news desk basically that's just bare. It's empty. It's hard to see. You well, seem vulnerable. With two individuals full of thought and candor, <laughs> but yes, Jeremy will lay on the desk or something. Oh boy, you know? I'm good. I don't want to see that. Hey, uh, I got something for you. Did you guys hear? Because I think this might be a, a, a great addition to your show. Uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus is they, they're basically going to have to let forty elephants go. They're phasing them out. People are people are Why? angry about because elephant abuse, right? How they're treating them. Yeah. yeah. So there's going to be by 2018. You, I think your show could get an elephant. And you could just bring it into the studio. That's possible. And it would just be like the mascot. It might be animated. It might be like Madagascar. Yeah, don't you think it would be fun? It would be fun. Here's a question. Does the University of Alabama get Ooh. a Barnum and Bailey <gasps> elephant? They should. They totally they should. They should get the one from the Oakland A's. Mm. They randomly have an elephant in their logo as well. You know, I think that would be probably be uh, just more bad treatment for an elephant. If they came to the BYU Sports Nation show, nothing but good treatment there. Till we shave it, bald. Studio B probably could not accommodate the elephant, unfortunately. Well, let's Unless go. The elephant ran camera or something. Let's move it fine. into Studio then C. We could pay it certain amounts, student wages, and go from there. Don't you think we should go to Studio C with it then? I mean, that's they only yes. use that occasionally for the biggest show in the world. Oh, well, yeah, this summer they're going to take it up for several months. So I know. Maybe not. Studio A. Now we're talking. Bring it upstairs into radio. Where the Imagine Dragon shot a music video. True story. <laughs> you guys, anything going on? Anything else you're going to talk about? A big surprise you want to drop on the show so we can get some good ratings? Well, let's see. Have you heard about Christian Stewart, Matt Townsend? Yes, playing ball again. Came back from the yeah, graduation he, he list. Is, this is an unprecedented situation. At least we've never heard of it before. No. A guy that has finished his eligibility, at least in terms of playing actual games, he still has the ability to go back and now practice. And he's going to bring BYU offense something that they wouldn't have otherwise. And he's going to be able to challenge the defense because now the BYU defenders in spring football are going against a legitimate Division I talent. So uh, Christian Stewart is is living the life, and he's doing BYU football a huge favor. Mm. That is huge because he's got nothing to gain but just exercise, right? 
The well, ni- yeah, the nice thing is, he. so he's basically done with school. He has classes, but he's going to be an investment banker, make bank in San Francisco. He's engaged. Hmm. So he's living the life. He did not sign with an agent, okay. and he still has financial aid wow, with a yeah. scholarship through April. So it's okay. Living There's large. a bylaw, and BYU's compliance looked into it. And so he's living the dream. He just shows up 10 minutes before right. practice, just warms up a little bit, and then uh, plays ball. It's the life. I mean, it seems like, though, if BYU wanted to really push their defense, they would have had BYU broadcasting's intramural football team play against them. That is a real thing, by the way. I know, I've we heard. We are intramural champions. Are we two-time intramural champions, Jerem? One. Or just one time. Okay, I think we, we yeah. won an intramural championship, and we want Christian Stewart to be our backup quarterback on our flag football team. Well, I hear he's free in April. Maybe we could get him on one we of our shows. If you wanted to be involved as a backup, he said no. Yeah, he's we were offended. He's got a life. He's got a career. He's got a bunch of stuff. Well, guys, it sounds like a good show, and it's Vegas for heaven's sakes. Get your, hey, it's when you day, BYU women's team plays tonight at eight o'clock. It'll be live on BYU TV. Baseball's at home for the first time this season today as well. Man, and you guys are in Vegas. Maybe do this when the show's over. Grab yourself a root beer. Get back to the hotel. Go swimming. We wish we could do that. We got we got games. You're back. Two hours later. I got to put on a suit, Matt. I know. You guys are the real deal. Well, you know, bring me back something <laughs> from the casino. <laughs> bring me back something. Something healthy. Something good, okay? We, we will do that. Thanks, guys. Be we'll good. bring back Lady Luck. How about that? Ooh. Yeah. Luck be that, a lady yeah. tonight. Wow. Scary. <laughs> We're out of here. Good luck, well, gentlemen. No, we probably need to end this. Knock them dead in, Thank you, Matt, in Vegas. We're with you. How come they get to go to Vegas? They they have a ris- a reason that yeah. they're employed uh-huh. to be in Vegas. You don't. Well, I could go to Vegas. For what reason? There's a lot of people there that need help and their lives are messed up. For the show? Yeah, take the show. We'll go to Vegas and on the street start helping people out of the hole. Do you know the people you can meet on the street in Vegas? Hell yeah. I think they have a lot more problems than you're probably <laughs> willing to deal with. You're probably right about that. You know what I am going to do? I, we're going to take this show on the road. For reals. Where? Where do you want to go? I don't know. But I, did, I just got a speech in Baltimore. So live from a hotel room? Is that what you're talking about? Well, from the Grand Ballroom in Baltimore. And I've got another one, I don't know, somewhere else. Set up some equipment on your bed or something? Yeah. Okay. I'll Skype it. I'll Skype you guys. I'll do it at the pool. I'm going to start pushing for more... Um, for more day trips for the show. Day trips. It's a it's a daycare center now. <laughs> what do they used to call those uh, when you're you go on a school a field you, trip? A field trip. Yeah, go to the museum. There's one right across the park. We tomorrow. have we've always threatened that we're going to go take this show on the road. And the farthest I guess we've ever gone was about two blocks away, three blocks away. That's about as roady as we get. Hmm. Well, if we go on that trip, we need a vehicle, correct? Yes. Got to haul all that equipment. They have vehicles here, right here. We can get a vehicle. An auto museum in Chicago is giving away a DeLorean. Oh. Complete with a, a flux, compa- or flux capacitor, right? Really? Yeah. So we could travel anywhere and any time? Theoretically. Well, it hasn't been tested. There's a catch. What? The uh, Chicago Cubs have to win the World Series, oh. and then they'll give away the DeLorean. Okay, well, that's not happening. <laughs> because this is the anniversary of Back to the Future 2. Yeah. Where it's they not, have the prediction no. that the Cubs are going to win. It's and not so happening. They're doing this promotion that will never happen. So it's, if you want, just get on eBay and go buy a DeLorean. 
they're not really for sale okay. as much as you would like, at least not the, the type with the, uh, the, flux the flux capacitor. What you want is Mr. Fusion. And I don't know if they have that, you know, equipped <laughs> at the moment. So, is that what you want? You want Mister Fusion because that's that's how you you feed your garbage. You just sounded like a four year old. You can boy. recycle your garbage directly into Dad. What the you need is Mister Fusion. What you need. Is- <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Well, that's good news. Okay, so that's not happening. Any other news that would be that might be actually happening? A Russian lawmaker, yeah, has suggested U.S. food giant Coca-Cola and McDonald's should stop selling their products in Russia. Really? He said this was all on Twitter. He's a Foreign Affairs Committee. He's on that committee. Yeah. So he. It's, so it's I, just one guy. He's a member of the lower house of parliament, which is called the Duma. Yeah, we call that Congress. Right. Uh, he uh, said this in. Twitter. It says, don't McDonald's and Coca-Cola want to support U.S. President Obama's sanctions and rid us of their products? Hmm. So because they're U.S. companies, they should support the government who has sanctions. So just stop selling your products here. He goes, they would be true to principles and we would be healthier because of it. Hmm. That's, uh, part of that's true because we learned about the sugar today on the show. Yes. You shouldn't have more than six to 12 teaspoons of sugar. Downside of that is that uh, Vladimir uh, Putin... Vlad, Vlad, yeah. Vlad would be out a lot of money. He would. I mean, personally. Personally, he would lose a lot of, a lot of cash there. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Allegedly, he'd that, be out. That's what the stories say that he has a lot of uh, liquid capital, if you will. Was there a delay yes. on that Las Vegas? Thing? There's a bit of a delay on the Las Vegas feed because I was thinking that these guys were just slower than normal. <laughs> and I know they're not slow; they're very fast. But so, the delay was like. Awkward. They've been uh, compromised in some way in their in their trip to Vegas. It is a, a wild place. Well, Vegas does almost have a time lapse effect on you. That's why what happens in Vegas stays there. Well, you go into the casinos and they they kind of they pump more they pump more oxygen in to kind of yeah. make you think like time is non-existent. So maybe that happened. So that's one way to go. You know, get your life back is you know go get stale oxygen in a casino or. You just do what we taught you on the show today. We taught about breathing. We taught about anxiety and managing that. Jay McFarland taught us all about different apps that we could use on our cell phones, all the great new releases around the cell phones. We learned about staying present. Holy cow. We touched them all. Meditation, connecting to your purpose in life. Man, folks, we're trying to give you the tools the tool belt, the tool set you need. And we even talked about the flux capacitor, for heaven's sakes, and Fusionator. Mr. Fusion. Mr. Fusion. <laughs> anyway, that's why we're here. We can't do the show without you. So if you want to have more fun, more enlightenment, more information, join us again tomorrow, my friends. We'll be back. We'll be back. <sighs> it's the Matt Townsend Show. Nine to noon Eastern Time. Three hours of information, education, enlightenment tools everything you need to make a healthier happier life thanks friends for joining us now go out take what we've learned today and let's make it a good day until tomorrow take care